Welcome to the weekly Mission Red Bank podcast, helping the body of Christ build itself up together in love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for that proclamation. Jesus, thank you for that. You are the light of the world. And you have called and caused us to be the light in you, no longer to walk in darkness. So help us now. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts made courageous to receive from you, Holy Spirit. We pray through Christ. Amen. Amen. So our epistle reading this morning comes from Ephesians, St. Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, and I'm just going to read three verses, but if you wanted to dig in a little bit this week, I would encourage you to take Paul's letter to the Ephesians and start in chapter 4, verse 1, and read to 521. Read all of that, and you will get more context around these few verses. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. These few verses from St. Paul We use them today to mark the end of this year's epiphany journey. But to get inside what Paul's talking about here, I want to use another familiar New Testament story. I want to tell it to you really quickly to see if it won't help us. A lot of you have heard of a man named Lazarus, a man whom Jesus raised from the dead. Um. Lazarus, his sister Martha, his sister Mary, they were friends of Jesus. And Lazarus had died, and Jesus went and was about to raise him from the dead. One of his sisters was very concerned because he had been dead for some days now, and if they were to open the tomb, there would be an odor. And she was worried about this. And uh, that's an interesting thing to be concerned about in the light of resurrection. I don't know, but she was worried. Nevertheless, Jesus says, remove the tomb, and he says, Lazarus, come forth, and the man walked out, and he said, unbind him. Take those stinky grave clothes off of him, and let's walk in resurrection. Now, that happened. Now, I want you to imagine something with me. Imagine that night. Imagine that they're all back at Lazarus's house with Martha, with Mary, with Jesus, the apostles, The friends, they're hugging each other, crying. They're celebrating the reality that Lazarus is back from the grave. And it's an incredible celebration, wouldn't it be? So imagine that happening, and then imagine this happening. The evening's kind of winding down to the end, and Lazarus says, Okay, guys, got to go. And they're like, We get it. Let us help you. And they walk over, and they pick up those stinky grave rags, and they begin to wrap him back up. And then they help him back 
And they put him back in there and says, we'll see you in the morning, man, and then leave. Does that sound ridiculous to you? The lack of response tells me that you need coffee. That's a ridiculous picture. Even, you might say, bewildering. (laughs) But as bewildering as it sounds, it is no more bewildering than what some of the Ephesians were doing after coming to know and experience Jesus. Paul was talking with people who had come to know Christ and experienced the Holy Spirit. And then they didn't know yet or hadn't, hadn't cultivated a way to walk out of the deeds of darkness. Things that are explicitly expressed in the text. Sexual immorality. Words that tore one another down. Words that were careless in joking and being about... They, they were so enculturated in a way that was so contrary to the way of Christ. So Paul's telling them, Hey guys, stop wrapping yourselves back up in those stinky death rags and live as children of light. Those ways of darkness are no longer a part of you. And when you go back to them, you're identifying with death and darkness again. That's what Paul was saying. Now, I want us to, remember I said I want us to go here so we could step into the narrative. Let's think about this. As bewildering as that crazy story about Lazarus that didn't happen, by the way. Lazarus did raise from the dead, but that other part, I made that up. But as crazy as that sounds, or bewildering as that sounds, and as bewildering as it might sound that he was having to go back to the Ephesians and tell them to live differently, maybe we go, well, they were pagans. You know, maybe we think that. And, you know, they did crazy pagan things, and God was rescuing them from their paganism, so Paul was just, you know, he had to redirect them. But I think God would say to us that their (laughs) bewildering behavior is no more bewildering than us coming to know and experiencing Jesus and continuing to walk in darkness. I really believe that. Jesus... The second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, the Messiah and Savior of the world, came and put on our skin, lived the life that he lived, died the death that he died, was vindicated in glorious resurrection and ascension to deliver us not only from the realm of darkness, but from the identity of darkness. To truly embrace Him as Savior and Lord, we must help one another let the darkness go. Walk out of it together, together, and live as children of light, who God created and is calling us to be. This is who 
we are. But this walking out of darkness, really letting the darkness go, really coming into the truth of the new human in Christ, Anthropos, the new man, it's often interpreted in in Paul's letter to the Ephesians as a new self. I'm sorry. That's not enough to answer Anthropos. It's a new human. It's a new humanity. It's a new body of believers. That's what God's after. So he's calling us to that. But it can be hard. Real wounds experienced in real situations lead to real pain. And that pain fosters real fear and mistrust. And then... After having such experiences, we often reason or fall into so many ways of trying to cope with these things, trying to trick our souls into making ourselves think we're okay, or to try to present to everyone else, hey, I'm okay. We fall into that. Ways that seem helpful for a moment, but twist into hurting us and others further. And over time, there's an erosion that happens there until we lose the memory, the active memory of who we are. This is how the natural mind, the mind of the flesh, the mind of human wisdom and reason, This is how it's vulnerable to the attacks of God's enemy. What do we do? Last week, Abbot Chris was here and he pointed to a corporate reality for the church. And he was very intentional saying that it's a corporate reality. He pointed to the reality that God has given us together the mind of Christ rather than the mind of the flesh so that together we can be divinely led by His Spirit rather than being individualistically led by each of our own natural minds and natural wit or ability. Now, most of us have been taught And often the pain that I spoke of teaches us that we've got to take care of ourselves. I understand. I was raised that way too. I have to deal with that temptation all the time. The truth of the good news of Christ is that we were made for to be new creation in a body of believers. That's really what Paul believed. That's really what Peter believed. That's what John believed. That's what Christ taught. That would be one of those places where he would likely say to us, you have heard it said, but I tell you. There is another way. And it's hard to get to that way because it involves vulnerability, which means I need to be in a safe place. 
And safe places don't come easy, do they? And sometimes places claim to be safe, and they are until they're not. And if that happens enough times, then we feel like we're the fool if we let our guard down. See what I mean? That's the trick. That's where the enemy has the church right here by the scruff and is trying to hang on to her. Christ lived and died and resurrected and has sent his spirit to empower us to live differently. And as we come to the close of Epiphany and step into Lent, I want to call us to a real way of trying as a group, as a body, as a congregation to move in this direction. This Wednesday's Ash Wednesday, a time to remember that the life we live in Christ is a life of us together being honest before God while orienting and reorienting to follow his leading. That is an easy explanation of something we call confession and repentance. Being honest before God is confession. He already knows, y'all. So to not confess it is to say, uh, maybe I can hide it over here. What can you hide from God? Nothing. So honest confession makes sense. And God calls us to it. Confess your sins. Then orienting and reorienting, that's repentance. Two words for it. One, metanoia, the Greek word that means change your mind. Or shuv, the Hebrew word that means turn your direction. Repent. Confess. Repent. Break honest. Orient. Reorient. We Celebrate this every time we worship together, every time we come to the table, every time we come to the new season of Lent. And then throughout Lent, we do that on Wednesday night, we start Lent and we do this. We want to take a tangible step together, a place where we can embrace pursuing the mind of Christ, the divine mind of God given to us in the scripture, and in time together as a body. We want to pursue that together, and here's the plan. Here's how. You ready for it? Eat, talk, pray. That is going to be our mantra for Lent. Can you remember that? Eat, talk, pray. Here's what I mean. Instead of creating... Mission community groups or Lenten life groups, which is something we were still planning to do all the way up through our retreat yesterday. I had this thought, and I thought it might have been from the Lord. Why don't you make it really, really simple for people to begin to engage one another and move in a direction together? So here's the invitation. Come to worship. Starting next Sunday, we will have one or two simple questions that you can engage that connect to the sermon or the readings. Then when you're done, go to lunch. I don't care if it's in your home. I don't care if it's at Firehouse over here or wherever you want to go. 
but pick two other people at least so that there are at least three people there. It can be more. But just go share a meal and sit down together, share the meal and enjoy the fellowship, then discuss the questions, and then just simply pray for one another. That's it. And do it for six weeks in a row. Eat, talk, pray. It will require that we humble ourselves to being willing to do that. And for some of us who aren't as eager to get in a crowd of people, it can be harder, but that's why we're making it just three if you need to. If you can't make three and there's just two of you, well, at least you're not alone. Go do that. And that's fine. But find a way to connect. Be at peace with one another. Share the sacredness of a meal. Discuss what we're looking at together so that we constantly stay, the tracks are moving, we stay a trajectory through the season. And then pray for one another. Just simply do that. Humble yourselves to that end and be the children of light. Let's begin to explore it together. And you know what we're doing in the process? That little eat, talk, pray rhythm for six weeks? What we're going to do is walk to the resurrection. That's what we're going to do as a body. So I'm encouraging you to step into this. If you're going to be traveling and on the road, a lot of people are, okay, find somebody to talk to and FaceTime with. If it needs to be a cup of coffee and can't be Sunday afternoon, okay. If your schedule is wonky and upside down and you can't meet with anybody but your husband or your wife or your best friend or something, just do it. But do it. And let's not walk isolated. And together, in the name of Christ, followers of Jesus, let's walk to the resurrection. Amen. If you have questions about that later, you certainly may come and ask me. You may email Tracy, admin at Mission Red Bank. And we're going to say, eat, talk, pray. Find somebody, find two somebodies, and eat, talk, pray. Just do that. And let's see what God will do in the midst of a people who are willing, willing to embrace something about I can't get there on my own. Let's see what he'll do. Amen? You've been listening to the Mission Red Bank Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Mission Red Bank or have questions about what you've heard today, you'll find us on Facebook. Grace and peace to you, and may God's blessings surround you.